The convoluted wording of legalisms grew up around the necessity to hide from ourselves the violence we intend towards each other. Between depriving a man of one hour from his life and depriving him from his life exists only in a difference of degree. You have done violence to him, consumed his energy. Elaborate euphemisms may conceal your intent to kill, but behind any use of power over another, the ultimate assumption remains. I feed on your energy. Attended to orders in council, the Emperor Paul Muhadib. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. Whether you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we're going to read some Dune. Yep. Yeah, we are. See that saying, if you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. Um, I wonder what it means to be a Fremen now. <laughs> <laughs> It's all falling apart. <laughs> I was just thinking about that as I was putting this together, and I was like, I know, in the first book, like the Fremen, they're mysterious. They know the ways of the desert. Now, a Fremen is like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. So many things. It's so many things. I can't. I, I didn't think about it until you said it just now. Crap. <laughs> Also, let's talk about this this quote. Um, This quote is spicy. It is very spicy. And I wish I knew where it comes from. Like, is this... This... Okay. Did Paul say this after what's about to happen? Did he say it before? Right. Um, The idea that... Between depriving a man of one hour from his life and depriving him from his life exists only a difference of degree. Either way, you've done violence to him. You've consumed his energy. Yeah. And there is something I think about this is like the ultimate assumption remains. I feed on your energy. There's something that's um, in my in my head is like the the prime predator the apex predator right he they feed the most energy and if we're thinking in the future about future books there is a character who is wants to be the most apex predator there ever is and who feeds on the most energy and i don't know i just i keep thinking about this and yeah there is is part of our humanity book to hide behind the legalisms and to justify what we do yeah, but really, we're just taking from other people. Yeah, it's grim. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a grim outlook on life. And I mean, also, you got to take into context the life that Paul has lived that's brought him to the point of saying that. Yes. And like he lives in a world where Hitler is a laughable like bad at killing people bad (laughs) you know what i mean yes so yes and no a lot of a lot of the the stuff in 
in Dune, you apply it to our world and it's like, whoa, man, that's crazy. That's like very applicable. Some of it is like, that's a little, that's a little too grim. That's a little too, that doesn't make, at least to me, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there is that, it's the point where, and I think this is what Frank wants you to do. He wants you to question your, your own life. Right. Wait, am I? Question your, your like, uh, own preconceived notions. Yeah. Cause I read that and I was like, uh, uh, legalisms grew up around the necessity to hide ourselves, hide from ourselves, the mm-hmm. violence we intend toward each other. And I'm like, do I intend violence toward anybody? I'm like, my immediate thought is no, I'm not thinking about murdering people all the time, but you know, the people that I disagree with, the people that like, in my opinion, are a danger to me or my family or society. Like maybe somewhere that's like, you got to dig in real deep to, to figure that stuff out. I feel like, does that make sense? I just yeah. rambled. <laughs> no, no. I do feel that. It does feel, and this is like my college political theory classes popping up. It's like that Hobbesian um, idea that, talking about human nature, that human nature, the we all have a, there is violence in all of us, and we're all trying to beat our way to the top and and have this hierarchy. It's just this interesting way of looking at human nature, and I don't know if I necessarily agree, but it does bring me to question my own how how do i move in the world and i think that's that's all it needs to do that's it going real deep real quick here people <laughs> sorry it's the stone burner chapter you can't go real <laughs> yeah. deep i have to like preface what's about to happen with something else um okay let's talk about this is the stone burner chapter um we've been looking at this evan first reactions first thoughts first time reading the chapter what are you thinking i was not expecting that Mm. at all Mm. i was like all right well i guess there's no spoilers at this point i'm the one that needs to be right i was like he's dead paul is dead paul is going to die right now like this is you know and then while it was happening, everything was like, it, it was like the language also, we'll go through it obviously, but like right. the language was like, but Paul knew what was about to happen. And then this happened and Paul and knowing what, you know, it was like yeah. very like leading to that. Like he's going to die. He's going to die. He's going to die right now. He's going to die right now. And then he doesn't die. He's just blind, but he can still see the future. So he's only kind of blind and like, uh, all right. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what happens in the chapter. If that's... you want to turn off the episode, <laughs> stay spicy. <laughs> there it is. There it is. That's it. All right. Good night, everybody. See you later. Um, all right. So I want to back it up like three chapters now because we. I want to like run this through like yes. the line of thinking because when I read this the first time, I missed it. That this is, he's been setting this up for a long time. Yeah. yeah Go, that's true. Like, Andrew Floyd said it here on YouTube, like we are now seeing the effects of the stone burner. And we saw it all the way back in with Farouk's son. He got hit with a stone burner, burned his eyes out, the wax you eyes. Like that discussion has been whirling in our head for a long time now. And you have, so um, Saitail became Othheim's daughter. 
so he could lead them to the trap, right? Which leads them to B Jazz. And when they're at B Jazz's, right there, Paul is getting the human distrans who has all of the records of all of the bad guys who are in the conspiracy, who are part of the Fremen. And Paul is there and he doesn't, he know he like, B Jazz is the only thing that's out of place. He doesn't, he'd never seen the dwarf before in any of his visions, but Paul is uh, stalling, right? Otham has to say certain things before the conversation's over. Certain things have to happen because Paul is waiting for this moment. Yeah. He's walking into it. And B-Jazz the whole time is like, let's go, let's go, let's go. There's danger ahead. Let's go, let's go. Yeah. And Paul's like, wait, wait, wait. So, yeah, now they're leaving. And let's start the chapter here. Remember, also, Chani was supposed to be here. Yeah. Like, Mm-mm. Chani was supposed to have been in this moment, which would cause Paul to tip over the edge in a whole other level. Yeah. She's not. But, yeah, just remember that. That was, woof. All right. So the first moon stood high over the city as Paul, with his shield activated and shimmering around him, emerged from the cul-de-sac. I also pause. Love that the first image we get is of a moon. Yeah. And we have that big chapter about the moon falling. Right. It's just that imagery of that moon hanging there. Um, and I just, yeah, moving forward. I just love that. No, that was good. The wind was blowing, lots of dust into the air. Bijaz was leading the way, shielding his eyes from the sand. We must hurry, hurry, hurry. <laughs> I tried to make it more cynical for you. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Paul probed the dwarf. You sense danger? I know danger. <laughs> Immediately, Steelgar joins them from another doorway. Bejes crouched down and whimpers. Swiftly, Paul explains to Stilgar how important the dwarf is and hands the dwarf to Stilgar. This is where everything speeds up. The vision here requires fast movements. Stilgar takes Bejes away. Military imperial troops flood the street and envelop Paul. Because remember, they were like surrounding him. They yeah. like watched the whole thing happen. Right. Men are running towards Othheim's house to secure Othheim and Dari as prisoners. And all Paul can think is more sacrifices. And now Paul vision being echoing in his ears. It went with a solid precision here. Vision, reality. Tick for tack. Ornithopters drifted down across the moon, which I think is just the most epic image ever. The soft hiss grew from the other sounds. It then climbed to a roar. Then there was a terracotta glow that covered the whole sky. It covered the moon, a yellow-orangey hue that engulfed the stars and the moon. Anna Val just says, "This is the last moon he will ever see." Oh, how you gonna, how you gonna do that, Anna? <laughs> Woo, man! Damn. Anna Van Loon also says on YouTube, "This also brings back the moon from the first book when he was looking out over the desert." Yeah, there is a bunch of just images here. In this, this is just filled with images. Thanks for the emotional support, Worm Anna. Yeah, it is. <laughs> As Evan is hugging it deeply. 
This is the moment where we've, all, it's a, we've been waiting this is for. What I, this is what I needed it for, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Paul knew what had just happened. He'd seen this in his visions over and over and over and over again. There was an odd sense of fulfillment. It was time. It was the way it must be. Paul heard someone scream, Stone burner! Soon he heard it all around him, troops yelling, Stone burner! Stone burner! Stone burner! Because it was required of him, Paul put his arm up to his face to shield him and then dove down. Right. He knows knows what's going to happen, so he's like, all right, fine. You know, like... Ah. But it was already too late. Right. Where Altheim's house once was, there was now a pillar of fire jetting towards the heavens. Jeez. Which means, where was the bomb? In Altheim's house? And I don't even think he knew. Right. I th- so who planted it there? Good question. I'm still... <laughs> I'm still shook for other reasons, but yeah, that... That makes sense. That's a good thing to think about. Sorry. No yeah, idea. Yeah. No idea. Yeah, perfect. It gave us... It, the, the bomb was going off, and it radiated so much power and radiance that highlights everyone's movements as shadows. Yeah. And for everyone it touched, it was already too late. Paul felt the ground grow hot. All movement had now stopped. Everyone was ducking for cover knowing there was no point in running. The first damage was already done. Now they waited for the extent of the stone burner's potency. How much radiation would it put out? How big was the radius of damage? The, particu- the peculiar result of the stone burner's radiation was already at work. So why is this stone burner such a big freaking deal, Evan? Um, that explains it. In here, right? Well, like the damage that it could do? Is right. that what you're talking about? Well, um, the last time we saw one of these used, Paul used it um, on the shield wall to blow it up and let the great-grandmother storm yes. in. Yes. Um, so the only people that have these are the great houses, and... If you use one, you defy the great convention, which keeps all legality, like yeah. all order in the universe. So yeah. somebody had to get one of these. From one of the great houses, and there's like nowhere else they could get it. I mean, right, exactly. Or you had to specifically make one for this purpose, which is what Paul is about to kind of find out. We have to find right. out like, okay, where'd it come from? Who got it? Like, we need to start tracking all these things because I'm sure everyone already knows. Yeah. So Paul hears the troops around him. He doesn't see them anymore. He just hears them. A stone burner. I don't want to be blind. So now the question comes back to, remember Farouk's son? What's the moral... What's the moral right, right? What's the moral right thing to do in the Fremen's eyes if you don't have eyes? Like... Get rid of them. Yeah. Just put them in the desert. They're done. They're worm food at this point. So this is what everyone's thinking. Someone near Paul says, The Tleilaxu will sell many eyes here. Paul just growled to everyone within, within earshot. Now shut up and wait. Everyone waited. 
Paul thought about this wep- what this weapon implied. It had enough fuel to cut its way to the planet's core and split the, pa- split the planet, scattering lifeless bits and pieces through space. Yeah, but, okay, okay. That would still, like, destroy the entire system in the universe, right? Like, right. if Arrakis yeah. blew up. Mm-hmm. So, whoever made this stone burner, that would still not be in their best interest to, like, make it that powerful, right? Oh, right, definitely. If you okay. want to blow up Dune... You better have a backup plan of how you're going to get some spice. <laughs> right, right. Which, I mean, they are working on, right? They've gotten a worm off planet. Right. We already know this. So, but are you going to put the whole Imperium into like a, you know, 4,000 year depression as you have to redo <laughs> the worm cycle? Yeah. Right? And nobody can fly anywhere? Like, that, no one's going to do that. Someone yelled, I think it's dying down a bit. Paul just yelled out, It's just digging deeper. Stay put. Stilgar will be sending help. Paul hears the voices of the troopers around him. Stilgar got away? The ground's hot. (laughs) The ground's hot. (laughs) How dare they use atomics? My eyes. I can't see. Paul heard him, thinking how there were people closer to the blast site than him and that the radiation's effects were already starting to take place. Yeah. Paul climbed to his feet as he felt the stone burner die. There was silence beneath him. Paul's body was wet against the still suit's slickness. Too much perspiration for the suit to accommodate. As he looked at the troopers beginning to stand up around him, Paul's sight started to fade into darkness. Paul then summoned his oracular vision of these moments. Then he turned and he strung along the fact along the track that time had carved out for him, fitting himself into the vision so tightly he could not escape. He felt himself grow aware of this place as reality became welded to prediction. All right, so what just happened there, Evan? So he this this is the part that's like so crazy. He has seen the future, obviously. Um, but now he can't see with his actual eyeballs. Right? Right. So he's just like, okay. He's like memorized the the this future ahead of him. So he's just like living, playing out that future. So it's kind of like he can see, but he just knows what happens next. And so he's yeah. just following that. Like that's that's his reality now. He can only From see now on. if he follows the exact uh vision of that he's having, like in his prescience, right? Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which is he's... super sad, dude. Like <laughs> Bingo. Bingo. So sad. That's it. Um, because he's trapped. Yeah. He's trapped in this reality forever. Because if he changes something, it all changes and he can't see where he he is anymore. Uh Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Is that how it works? He can't change anything anymore. Like, he's, he's carved out his 
like place. Like he set everything up for this moment and everything after. So it was all, that's why he's like, this, this is my time. It's come. I'm just going to step now into whatever time with a capital T has for me. Yikes. And as Andrew Floyd says on YouTube, he's picked this future out from all the other ones. This was the best option. Uh. Moans and groans could be heard from the troops as blindness overtook them one by one. Hold fast, Paul shouted. Help is coming. Mrs. Muhadib, I command you to hold fast. Help comes. Silence. Then, true to Paul's vision of these moments, a nearby guardsman says, Is it truly the emperor? Which of you can see? Tell me. None of us has eyes, Paul said. They've taken my eyes as well, but not my vision. I can see you standing there. Wait bravely. Stilgar comes with our friends. At that moment, you hear sounds of thopters growing louder and louder, and the sound of hurrying feet. Every sound in reality matched the movements of his oracular vision. Paul shouted, waving his arms in the air, Stilgar, over here! Stilgar comes running up to Paul. Thanks to Shai Halud. Taking a good look at Paul, Stilgar groans. Oh, my lord! Usul! 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 Paul addressed the new troopers who had come with Stilgar, telling them the stone burner was finished and they needed to rush in to rescue the survivors. Stilgar still staring at his friend with wonder in his voice. Do you, do you see, my lord? How, how can you see? Paul put his finger out and touched Stilgar's cheek to wipe up the tears streaming down Stilgar's face. You need give me no moisture, old friend. I am not dead. But your eyes, they've blinded my body, but not my vision, Paul said. Ah, still, I live in an, I live in an apocalyptic, oh, I live in an apocalyptic dream. My steps fit into it so precisely that I fear most of all I will grow bored reliving the things so exactly. Stilgar still in shock and in awe. Yeah, his eyes are all fucked up. Like, they're all, like, messed up, right? I imagine there's nothing in the sockets anymore. Uh, okay, okay. I was picturing, like, you know, just I like, mean, they're, yeah, they, they like, probably could have melted... But yeah. then, but then you would clean them out, and you'd like clean out the holes, and you like. So he's just gonna have like sockets for eyes, like. Yeah. Okay, and I mean, yeah. Imagine seeing your friend. That just happened to him. Like his eyes freaking exploded out of his face, but he's like f- fine, whatever. I mean, also that this would was... be messed messed up. Like it's Stilgar's reaction makes sense. Hundredly, you know. Yeah. Like, again, him and Stilgar have gone through so much. Yeah. And this is, I, I can, Stilgar is in awe because once again, Paul has transcended what anybody thought was possible. Right. Once again. Which, okay, I think it's, it's, it's pretty cool because I never thought about this aspect of prescience it's like in my head, it was always like he's seeing a vision, you know, like in the movie mm-hmm. when he has like a prescient moment, he is, uh, he is experiencing that moment like a camera in the scene, watching the scene right. unfold. But like 
his vision actually includes himself, the sensations, his movements. You know what I mean? Everything. It's way more than just like, oh, I'm seeing what's going to happen. And like an out of body experience. It's like him in his body. The vision includes all of that because now he's going to like start. He's like touching people and walking around and seeing you over there. You're by a wall. You're, you're over, you know, like, yeah. And if he's walking, that means he remembers the slight movements that his body needs to make to like not bump into a wall as he's walking down the street. All of that. It's not just like, I know what's going to happen next. It's like, ah, that's crazy. You know, like that's so huge. It's another level. Like, and I love that you brought up like the, when you see the first visions, like this is something we don't really see, I guess in the book, or if you go back to it, but he, Paul is still learning how to use his visions yeah, and how it all works. And they kind of allude to that, right? Like guys, Helma Hayam is like, he, his sight has barely evolved. And so he like evolves over time. And now we've gotten like, he got Neo from the matrix status. Yeah. yeah. Like he sees everything and is trapped in that. So yeah, still confused. Paul just says, don't try to understand it. Accept it. I am in the world beyond the world here. For me, they are the same. I need no hand to guide me. I see every movement all around me. I see every expression of your face. I have no eyes, yet still I see. Yeah. In my in my note here, uh, I say, Evan, try to explain it, but you already did. So perfect. That was <laughs> well. Yeah, that that opens it up even more, though. You know, like he remembers what's ha- everything that's happening in his body, around his body, and like in the general vicinity. Like he knows everyone, what everyone is experiencing, and what they're what they look like. Stilgar's face, everything. It was like right. so much bigger than how I was picturing prescience. Like that's, that's huge. And I see every expression of your face. Yeah. Stilgar is still confused. He shakes his head saying how basically they need to cover up Paul's eyes. Like, okay, we got to do something about your affliction. Mm-hmm. Paul says, we hide my affliction from no man. Stilgar's like, but, but the law. And here it is. Paul says, we live by the Atreides law now still. The Fremen law that the blind should be abandoned in the desert applies only to the blind. I am not blind. I live in a cycle of being where the war of good and evil has its arena. We are at a turning point in the succession of ages, and we have our parts to play. Just want to sit on this real fast? That's why I had a question about, like, what's it mean to be a Fremen anymore? Like, Fremen law is gone. We are in the Atreides Empire. Right. And the people they were suspicious about trying to get Paul are the Fremen, right? Bum, bum, bum. That was the list of traitors, yeah. So, like, yeah, at this point, if we're saying if you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, you're like, uh, do I want to be a Fremen right now? Whoopsies. All right, so we are at a turning point in the succession of ages. This is Dune in a nutshell. Every book is at a turning point in succession of ages, but I think we're at a bigger one here because the 
Paul's empire is kind of over now, and a new one is rising. Okay. Something greater than Muhadib's empire is now rising. Mm, okay. He right. We all have our parts to play. He's stuck playing his part. He has no other choice now but to like walk the line out that he's chosen. He's already chosen the destiny he wants. The Atreides law is now supreme law because the Atreides rule has just begun. And it supersedes everything that came before it. Because there's a baby coming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Bum, bum, bum. Anna Van Loon says, Fremen Schwimmen, he's reached God levels. New rules. <laughs> no rules. No rules. Yeah, he's, we thought he was God level before. This is a whole right. other can of worms. So, yeah, yeah. So now that Paul's reign is over, he'll be moving along the chessboard to prepare the new way for the proper new Atreides ruler. So in the sudden stillness, Paul hears one of the wounded whispering or whimpering. It was, it was terrible. A great fury of fire. Paul then tells Stilgar that none of the injured men are going to be taken to the desert, and instead they'll be given new Tleilaxu eyes paid for by the Imperium. You. Stilgar says it'll be done. Hearing the growing awe in Stilgar's voice, Paul continued, saying that he will be at the command thopter, and Stilgar said, take charge here. Paul's like, I'm out. Peace. I did my part. Got my eyes burnt out. I'm out. And he just walks away. <laughs> All casually. At that, Paul steps around. Stilgar walks down the street. His vision told him every movement, every face he encountered. Right. He calls out orders, pointed out men directly, even called some by name. Paul could feel the terror growing from the men all around him. His eyes, he looked right at me. He called you by name. (laughs) At the thopter, Paul deactivated his personal shield. His shield was on this whole time. Right. Again, not very Fremen. No. He grabbed the microphone from the hand of the very startled comms officer and gave a swift and direct order and then thrust the microphone back into the officer's hand. Then he turned to the weapon specialist, who was very young, eager, and brilliant. And Paul said to him, uh, they use a stone burner. After a slight pause, the man said, so I was told, sire. That means the fuel could have only been atomic. So yeah, it's an atomic it's stone burner, probably from one of the great houses. This is, this is, this is toppling of government's level of power that yeah. just happened. Paul then told the weapon specialist to start digging around to find out who made the bomb. The comms officer was right there, whole time, just listening. And he, uh, he says, uh, my lord, your eyes. Paul then turns to the comms officer, looks him straight in the eyes with his like dripping, melting eyes or eye sockets at this point. <laughs> yeah. And just says, call Chiani. Tell her I'm alive and we'll be with her soon. Paul thought to himself as the comms officer started to relay the message. Now the forces gather. And he noted how the strong the smell of fear and the perspiration was all around him. Bum, bum, bum. 
Blitzgirl on YouTube says, you get a pair of eyes, and you get a pair of eyes. Eyes for everyone. Wow. Thanks for thanks for uh, bringing some lightheartedness. Uh, yeah, we need some levity in here to like really yeah. let that sink in. So, how do you feel, Evan? Uh, I was that was a lot. I, Ed, Andrew Floyd was uh, right last time. Mm-hmm. It was like he's finally. It's finally like it's here. This is it. This it, this is the thing that happened. Um, it was crazy. I was definitely expecting him to die. This is something else. Yeah, he did. I mean, in a way, he kind of did die. Sure. Sure. Right. Yeah. Like he's now in an apocalyptic fever dream that he can never escape. <laughs> yeah. God. Which I don't know which is worse at that point. Right. And he, like the way he talked about it is like he's like it's fine, dude. I've been uh, I've been waiting that this was always going to happen. Now I'm just afraid that I'm going to be bored. Yeah. And there's nothing he can do that will be different from the vision that he already has. Yeah. Which is just sad. I mean, R- right? Yeah, he's. I don't know. I would like to suspect that the conspiracy, like this, was Saitel's plan the whole time mm-hmm. to get him to that point. BJ has was planted a long time ago. Right. Um. So yeah, lots to think about. We're gonna see the conclusion. I mean, we're, I think we're in it now. We've been in it for like two chapters leading up to this point. So yeah, we got one, two, three, four, five. Look at that. Six. Well, you don't have that much left if you can. If you're watching, I'm yeah, like showing my book. There's only like a little tiny bit. Left. Uh, so I don't know if this book has a bunch of appendix appendices or whatever. I don't think so. No, 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 no. It's is uh, yeah. The Small. last one did. <laughs> These will all be fast chapters up to this point. This was action-packed. So, yeah, thanks for reading Dune with us. Um, make sure you stay spicy. Um, if you're sad and haven't rated us five stars yet, this is now your opportunity. <laughs> and if you've gotten this far and haven't done it, I don't know what to tell you except you. now is the time. The That's stone the burner happened. <laughs> make sure you... Uh, <laughs> make sure you... Then uh, find us on Twitter. Email us your favorite favorite moments for maybe Children of Dune. If you have a favorite one coming up, do that at uh, readingdune.gmail.com. Because mm. we are, yeah, we're setting up. Paul is preparing the way, we could say, for the next Atreides Emperor. Bum, bum, bum. Okay. If you want to hang out with us afterwards to talk Dune, please hit us up on Discord. We'll be there now to chat about all of this emotional baggage we have from this chapter. Yeah. (laughs) Stay spice, my friends. I'll see you in the next chapter. Peace.